0: Bill 96 is Quebec's legislation, which aims to make French the primary language of the province. Bill 96 would also declare Quebec a nation, a move that would require opening up the Constitution. What could possibly go wrong? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished TV. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location of practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. Premier Francois Legault says the main reason for the need is the declining use of French in the province. Supporters of Bill 96 see it as essential because there is so much English in North America drowning out French and Quebec culture. On the other side of the coin is minority rights as Anglophones in Quebec. Will start to feel targeted. What has many concerned is Quebec's plan to use the notwithstanding clause to get what it wants. Constitutional law experts are at odds whether Quebec can unilaterally change the constitution, which further muddies the water. Now, our unpublished vote question asked: Do you feel Bill 96 will violate the constitution? And overwhelmingly, our viewers and listeners said yes. Ninety-one point three agreed with that. Five point five said no. runs short. Now, however you're watching and listening to our show, whether through our social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, or our podcast channels, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more, I'd like to remind you, you can still cast your vote on this topic at unpublished.vote and then email your MP to tell them why. Now, joining us to discuss Bill 96, Peter Biro is a lawyer and a founder of Section 1. Warren Kinsella is a columnist and a former advisor to Prime Minister Sean Cretchen as well. Uh, Marion Sandeland is a lawyer with uh, Conway Litigation and uh, with the Quebec Community Group Network. And uh, I want to thank you all for joining us today. Now, this starts basically with the, I guess, the claim that the French language is dying and needs protection. And, and, and Peter, do you agree with that or no?
1: Well, I, I don't know whether I agree with it. I don't I think that that is a bit of a red herring the whole the whole issue. There are there's competing social science data on that question. Some of it, and there's certainly competing anecdotal uh, information on that question. At the end of the day, I don't think this is really about whether the French language is at risk at this moment. Uh, I think this is more about I mean if you're going to be sort of somewhat idealistic about it. It's about you know Quebec's ability. To define itself, uh, to receive the kind of recognition from the rest of the country that it has long sought and never been granted, uh, you know, Marion will probably be in a better position than I to comment on the, the extent to which there's actually a risk at this point. Now, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, who feel that but for Bill 101, the infamous French language law going way back. Uh, but for Bill 101, French really would have been uh, in serious jeopardy And that Bill 101 not only preserved French as the dominant language of the province, but also, it, it, it ironically, uh, preserved uh, the federation. That is, that it prevented, you know, uh, separatism from really gaining more momentum than it, than it did at the time. But well, I'm sure we'll have a chance to come back to that. Well, what do you
0: think, Warren? Do you think the French language is dying or in decline in, in Quebec?
2: No, I don't. And uh, any of the data I've seen, I mean, Peter's quite right. Depends how you define these things, of course, and depends what data you look at. But uh, what I've seen, is suggests that that is not the case, number one. And number two, you know, economically, um, Quebec has been doing far better than most of the other Canadian provinces. So they're, you know, I, I don't think they're in bad shape at all. And I say that as somebody who was born in Montreal. I think really the reason why this is happening at this time is we have a weak prime minister and a minority parliament in the middle of a pandemic. And Legault uh, is very popular in Quebec and is a shrewd politician. And he's calculated that a potential opponent in the form of Trudeau is weak. The English Canada is distracted in a way that it wasn't in 89 and 90 with Meach and, and also with Charlottetown later on. And uh, well, what better time to do this and what better target to have than, than Justin Trudeau? So I believe that's why it's happening at this time.
0: Uh, Marion, the, the French language. Uh, is it, it in decline in Quebec? You're there.
3: Thanks. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, not a social scientist, so I don't think I can comment on the social fact of whether or not French is in decline in Quebec. But what I will say is that right now and over the past six months to a year, but particularly right now, people really believe that it is. And perhaps that's more important right now as a political fact.
0: Ah, good point. Good point. Now, uh, Warren, uh, in one of your columns, you you said this puts uh, if this opens up the constitution, it puts Quebec above other provinces. How so?
2: Well, it's a, it makes you know makes some provinces more equal than others. So it's uh, uh, according st- nation status to itself and um you know what's now to stop alberta from doing likewise jason kenney's indicated now that he's going to do that and um, it's the it's as peter pointed out in his piece in, on cbc's website it's the unilateralism of it that's dangerous this has been done in the past uh, with respect for example to denominational schools in the In Newfoundland and Labrador, but that was done with a popular consensus. I mean, even in the case of Meech, there was an attempt, at least, to get elite consensus. Uh, Charlottetown, there was a bit of an attempt to reach out for populist consensus. You know, I guess my question would be, guys, what the hell is the rush? If you're so convinced that this is the right and proper and ethical thing to do. Well, then why don't you put it to the people and ask them what they think at a time when they're not preoccupied with the health of their family and their friends and their businesses and so on. Why the rush? Why do it now? Why not do it when they're paying attention to it? And then you have the benefit of the support of the people. But they're not doing that. and I think we all know the reason why. They know that they wouldn't have the support of the people.
1: Uh, Marty, hop in, Peter. What, What was that, Peter? Sorry, sorry for interrupting there. No problem. Um, I was just asking, Warren, which people uh, does Warren think uh, the Quebec government would not uh, gain the support of? Is he talking about Quebec or is he talking about the country as a whole?
2: country as a whole. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and it, based upon, you know, the experience with Meech, so Meech was an elite agreement uh, amongst premiers, no question, yep. but it, it fell, you know, as we all know, because they failed to secure the support of the people. Yep. Charlottetown, they realized their mistake, they made an attempt at that, but the people defended it, and it was a much less, uh, much more moderate attempt at constitutional change than what's contemplated now. Legault is doing this now because he knows he can get away with it. Well, it's can I politics.
1: just, uh, I, I agree with a lot of what, uh, Warren said, I think the only thing I disagree with, and it, it's not really a that, you know, mm. vital a point, but uh, is on the reason, the rationale for doing it now. I mean, I really think you're absolutely right. There's a weak prime minister. There's no federal leadership at, at all, and not just from the prime minister, but from the leaders of any of the national parties in in Ottawa. They've Agreed. all capitulated here. Uh, they, they are all, to borrow uh, Pierre Trudeau's famous phrase, head waiters to the uh, to the provinces, uh, or at least to Quebec in this particular case. But I do think the reason is that Legault is strong right now and it's an opportunity, I think, to uh, to completely uh, occupy the field, if you will, of nationalism and to sideline Quebec Solidaire, to completely wipe out the Parti Québécois. You now, we need to remember that, uh, that a successive, a Quebec governments, governing parties, starting with the Liberals in 1971 under Bourassa. And we remember the Victoria Conference and Victoria Charter, uh, again with Bourassa. And then of course, with, uh, with René Lévesque as Premier, and then again with Bourassa, both you know, during Meech and then Charlottetown. We have Quebec governing parties uh, that consistently reflect a will on the part of the Quebec, at least Francophone population, to, uh, to express itself nationally, to have that expression acknowledged, recognized, entrenched in the Constitution. There are, and, and so I, I don't think that's unimportant. I think that, that you know, the timing, you know, we can, be, uh, we can be cynical about the timing, and I don't think you're completely wrong about that, Warren. Um, but at the end of the day, it's an issue that's going to continue to come back. And I, that's why I don't even think the question sociologically of whether French is particularly at risk at this particular moment is really th- the critical question. I mean, I, this is an issue that's going to continue to come back. And, you know, I, back, in, back in 87, you know, I was standing strong with Deborah Coyne and Clyde Wells, who, of course, were proxies for Pierre Trudeau. Hmm. Um, I think I've modified my own position, you know, since then, I have to say. Um, If I was holding the same view I did then, I'd just be categorically against this. I've moderated my views on it, although, and and you you mentioned my column, Warren, you know, I wouldn't agree to anything unless the notwithstanding clause were put on the table for, for repeal. Uh, And of course, I'm not naive about the prospect of success of that move, but I think, you know, the moment is crying out for leadership right now. So we may as well talk about big and difficult questions, uh, put them all on the table at the same time. So Bill 96 without uh, a notwithstanding clause would be something very, very different from principle standpoint for me.
0: Uh, Marion, the the notwithstanding clause that we have have been talking about, could this ever survive? Do you think this would ever pass without the notwithstanding clause?
3: I think the National Assembly could put it through without the National I mean, they could simply take it out. They could take those parts out of the bill. Um, The bill, the rest of the bill would be what it is. Uh, and I think there are a number of constitutional problems with the bill. Um, and it would now be subject to scrutiny under all these new constitutional provisions that were, that were, that were um, being shielded from the notwithstanding clause. Uh, I just want to go back to the the constitutional amendment, uh, sure. say a few things about that. Um, I attended a very interesting session um, with some Francophone constitutional scholars hosted at Université Laval about a week after the bill was tabled. Um, and the consensus among that group was that this amendment does achieve more than what was achieved with, with Meech and Charlottetown um, and does so unilaterally, and that it's a sign of maturity on Quebec's part to do this. Um, but, with, but there isn't the same popular movement around the issues as there was perhaps in the 80s that's what they said. Um, This idea that there's a part of the Constitution Act of 1867 that belongs to Quebec, that's Quebec's part of the Constitution, is a new idea that was introduced through Bill 96. And we hear this repeated now a lot. It's a new idea that comes from Bill 96. Uh, The idea of a nation, um, recall that the amendment says Quebecers form a nation, and then it says the common language, uh, the official language of is of Quebec is French. There's a distinction between Quebecers and Quebec, and I think the meaning of that has not been probed at all yet, and it introduces this new idea of a nation that may or may not be coextensive with the province of Quebec. Um, there's a lot of discussion of the constitutional amendment, which is important, but what I see less of is a discussion of what else is in this bill. This bill is 100 pages long. What else is in this bill that isn't being talked about? Uh And finally, the notwithstanding clause, just to say that this is the most, by far, the most sweeping use of human rights overrides ever in Canadian history. Wow. And uh, I question, we need to think much more carefully about what is the relationship between the constitutional amendment and this use of the notwithstanding clause.
0: I I think a lot of people are, are wondering about, you know, we talk about opening up the constitution, but then hearing that each province has its own constitution and, and From what I'm getting from you, Marion, is that's not necessarily the case?
3: There's an idea that each province has its own constitution, and it has to do with um, how the legislature and executive are set up. For example, Quebec used to have an upper house and a lower house, and it abolished its upper house. That's part of the constitution of Quebec. This idea that there's a part of the Constitution Act 1867, which is our foundational constitutional document, the idea that there's parts of that document that belong To to provinces, that's a new
0: idea. Mm. Mm, Different. I never didn't realize that. You know, uh, you know, we talk about languages as well, um, but let let, let's talk about indigenous languages. Uh, Where does that leave uh, you know First Nations Indigenous people in Quebec, Marion?
3: Um. I mean, First Nations uh, and Métis and um, Inuit have constitutional recognition under a different part of the constitution, which as far as I understand, should remain unaffected by this. Um, this amendment introduces a new idea, a new nation into the constitution, which is the nation of Quebecers. So that that's the new idea. And I would be very interested to hear from indigenous uh, constitutional mm. what effect they think this will have on um, the relationship uh, with with Indigenous
0: nations, you know, Warren Quebec wants to declare itself a nation. Uh, how is this different from what Stephen Harper declared in two thousand and six?
2: Well, uh, you're quite right. I mean, there was a declaration there. He lost Michael Chong as part of his cabinet when he did so. And, you know, and Peter's quite right. You know, there there's just the, it's the weakest group of federal leaders I think I've seen in my lifetime. So there's unanimity on this thing, and that's one of the reasons why it's moving through. But you know, we we need to, in my opinion, give an opportunity for people to pronounce themselves on it. As Marion says, you know, this is the most, this is our supreme legal document. This is you know the constitutional center of our country. You don't insert interpretive clauses in the Constitution without first having uh, the opportunity to review what they mean, might mean, and what what the significance would be. I mean, back. With me, the reason why I came—I left my legal practice in Ottawa, where I was perfectly happy—and went to work for the Jean Chrétien guy, is when um, you know uh, Moroney and some of the premiers said that uh, referring distinct society and the declaration of nationhood for Quebec to the Supreme Court of Canada to see what it would mean—you know—to do that thing that that uh, provinces and federal governments can do, get a reference, get the, the highest court to review what it would mean and the implications of it. They refused to do so, and they said that it would be un-Canadian, and I, at that point, I said, well, the hell with this. I'm going to find a politician who I can support, and that was uh, Jean Chrétien, and uh, he was aided to some degree by Elijah Harper and Clyde Wells and others. The problem now is we just don't have that. You know, um, I think you've got some of the people who have written on this subject, mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Goldenberg, uh, who yes. used to also work for Mr. Chrétien has written on it, but it's it's the silence has been deafening and it's it's really depressing because, you know, this is as important as it gets. The people need an opportunity to take a look at this. And certainly I I think the high court, we'd benefit from that, but none of those things are happening. It's just, it's moving through. And it feels like the country is changing under our feet without anybody particularly Mm -hmm. paying attention to it.
0: You know, one of part of the, uh, the uh, Bill 96 as well, Peter, as regarding CGEPs and only allowing a small percentage of French students to go and learn in, or to, to learn in English. And, and I'm wondering, how is that going to help the French language?
1: Well, you know, again, you got to go back to the history of Bill 101 and, and to the exceptions that were carved in at, di- at different times for minority language education and for English. My, my view uh, of, first of all, I don't think it will. I don't think it will uh help the French language all that much um but you know my view and and I want to say I agree with everything that Warren uh, Warren just said about the lack of 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 any kind of national response to this you know critically important uh proposal to change a document that is our you know is is our constitutional uh, uh, document what, what I would say is and this has certainly been my, my position is that, this cannot happen unilaterally. Uh, So the fact that you've got a province that is purporting to act unilaterally doesn't make it so. And with the exception of a couple of uh, scholars, Benoit Pelletier is one of them, most of the constitutional scholars that I have uh, been paying attention to, and certainly my own reading uh, of the constitution, um, would suggest that this cannot occur unilaterally In a worst case scenario, it requires parliament, meaning the House of Commons Mm. and the Senate. Uh, More likely, it requires the 750 formula and now post Charlottetown, probably by convention also requires a consultative referendum. There's some debate about whether that's the case. Um, You will remember that it was the consultative referendum that sunk uh, Charlottetown at the end of the day. Mm. There was unanimity amongst the premiers. Um, But in any case, uh, you know, in terms of education, I'm I'm very mindful, you know, I've always been an advocate for minority rights, whether they're minority language rights, religious rights, uh, rights of expression, etc. I I think that this is a case where a compromise is doable, uh, while still uh, preserving Quebec as what I call a liberal constitutional democracy. I mean, what one can think of all kinds of countries around the world where, you know, there is an official language and where there are minorities that are unfortunately required to live under the official language of the country. And there's still, you know, constitutions with robust, you know, uh, civil liberties and, and human rights uh, protections. Um, Marion was answering your question about, you know, where does this leave the indigenous mm. population, Aboriginal, First Nations, Canadians? I don't think that it changes anything for them. Which, which I think is what Marion was was agreeing with, uh, I don't think that this has an impact on their, on their standing, on their position, and on their rights, such as they are. Uh, as we know, Canada is now embarking on yet a new chapter in its relationship with First Nations, um, and it's going to be quite a dramatic and consequential one, I think. Um, and it may well be where all of the national attention and oxygen is sort of directed at this time, uh, but that doesn't make the Bill 96 any less critical of of an issue uh, requiring national attention. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Marion, I wanted to talk to you
0: about uh, the impact of uh, Bill 96 on the courts and the court system. From what I understand that uh, you won't be getting in both languages, it'll just be in French now. Is that is that the case?
3: It's it's not quite the case. Um, there there's a constitutional right in Quebec to use English or French in the courts in Quebec. That's guaranteed mm-hmm. at Section One Thirty Three of the Constitution Act, eighteen sixty seven. That isn't supposed to change that constitutional right. However, um, and this has been going back and forth. Bill One Hundred One, the original version of Bill One Hundred One, included some some provisions that were later struck down because they didn't um, provide that right to use English and French. So this has been a, a kind of cat and mouse over the years since Bill 101 was passed. So there are new provisions now um, that kind of skate close to that, right, I would say. Um, for example, um, any uh, legal person, so a corporation who wants to, uh, to file a document in court in Quebec, up till now they've had the right to do so in English or French. Now uh, Bill 96 adds a requirement to file a French translation of your pleadings at the same time as you file your English pleadings. So that's quite a change. That means you can't really use English or French, you have to use English and French. That's different. Um, There's a new requirement for any judgments uh, rendered in English to be translated and immediately um, attach a French translation to them. That would be at the court's expense, but it's likely to cause delays in getting those judgments issued if they have to go through translation first, whereas the French judgments don't have to go through translation. So there's a a few things like that in Bill 96 that that seem to um, eat away at the right to use English uh, in courts. And the other really important one that needs to be talked about more is um, the idea that uh, the Minister of Justice and the newly created Minister of the French Language will now approve any requirement um, for a judge to have a knowledge of uh, of English. Uh, up till now, it's been up to the superior courts to determine which judges they need to have, um, to be able to speak English, to, to fulfill the constitutional rights of the English speaking community. And now uh, there's going to be two ministers who are going to weigh in on those requirements. So to me, that also raises a question about judicial independence.
0: Uh, you know, um, when we look at this situation, we're getting close to winding up here, folks, but and you know, every time I hear language and, and uh, in this country, I always think of a national unity debate. And, and Warren, we'll start with you. Is that where we're headed again?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I wish no. we were uh, in the sense that it's important that we, as I've mentioned, that uh, people look at this. But uh, no, I mean, the pandemic is understandably a pretty big story. It has fundamentally changed our lives politically and economically and socially and culturally. It's the biggest story of our lifetimes, and like I said at the start, I think that's why this is being brought forward at this time. We're distracted, and we're paying attention to something else, and regrettably, you know, the debate, apart from on this show, uh, really hasn't been happening, and that's... Um, that's a sad thing for the country, because I think there's some aspects of this legislation, for example, the ability of them to go into somebody's personal cell mm-hmm. phone at the office to see if they're using English or French, are um, just have, as Miriam says, a terrible consequences for human rights and the rights of minorities in the province of Quebec. And it's just, nobody's paying attention to it. It's very sad.
0: Marion, uh, obviously, uh, you're uh, representing uh, QCGN. Uh, there are some people talking about it, right?
3: Well, the QCGN is making a big push. Um, I, uh, it's really important for the public to understand what's in this bill. There's a lot in this bill that isn't being talked about. Um, Warren just talked about one of the one of the provisions that needs to get a lot more attention from. There are, there are a lot of provisions in this bill that, that people need to learn about, and the QCGN um, is making a big push in the next few weeks to inform the public about what's in the bill.
0: And what do you think, Peter? Are we up for enough, another national unity debate or will we avoid it?
1: No, unfortunately, there won't be one. I agree with Warren 100%. Uh, I think it's a, it's tragic for the country. The question is, though, what what happens to the bill? Uh, what, what happens beyond this? I mean, obviously, uh, there will be court challenges. I mean, if, if Quebec proceeds unilaterally and Ottawa does not stand up, uh, I'm hopeful that some other provinces will uh, will bring uh, applications to challenge uh, the ability of Quebec to do anything unilaterally regarding the use of the French language. I'm not so troubled by the nation status issue. I'm not saying it's unimportant. It would be an interpretive provision in the constitution. And there are no words in a constitution that are meaningless. Uh, they, they can't ever be treated as meaningless. It's a fundamental principle, of statutory and constitutional interpretation. But it, somebody's got to bring some challenges. Uh, it, it's just very unfortunate that it looks like the challenges will occur before the judiciary, rather than in the public square and in the legislatures, of course, of of all of the provinces and of and of parliament. So no, I we desperately need a national unity. Uh, Debate. I think there's an opportunity actually to bring Quebec into the fold with dignity, but while at the same time using this as an opportunity to push back against those aspects of the legislation that are are truly objectionable, or as Marion's pointed out, that clearly would infringe Mm. uh, fundamental rights and freedoms under the Charter. But as you know, there are constitutional scholars who say that the bill in its present form actually doesn't require Section 33. I'm not completely certain of it. And um, you know, but, uh, uh, okay, anyway, uh, well, folks, is, unfortunately, there won't be a national unity debate, uh, and right. that is a, a complete failure of leadership in Ottawa.
0: I want to thank our guests on this edition of Unpublished TV. Peter Biro is a lawyer and the founder of Section One, Warren Kinsella's columnist advisor to former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien. and Marion Sandaland is a lawyer for the Quebec Community Groups Network. And I don't want to thank you. For watching Unpublished TV. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.